does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Welcome back to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. I'm Eddie Garrison filling in for the coach Bob Level. Just a couple more weeks until Bob makes his return for season number 30. Just finished our conversation at the bottom of last hour with Greg Rakestraw. You can catch the podcast shortly after the show. Talked about some soccer, some Indianapolis Colts, and want to make the transition now to the voice of the Indianapolis Colts and Matt Taylor. He joins us once again. Mate, how's it going? Hey, I'm good. Enjoying a, a good summer night here. Kind of the Calm before the storm, as you know, Eddie, with training camp starting next week, trying to soak it all up before the grind starts, and it's football 24-7 here shortly. I know it's football 24-7 starting next week, but right now it should be Reds baseball 24-7, am I right? Yeah, it is. It's good. It's good on a little four-game winning streak after the victory today, and that's kind of how it's gone this season for the Reds. It's like a seesaw, like ultimate highs, ultimate lows, right? You're on that 12-game winner you know, in the month of June, and then you start the uh, second half of the season post-All-Star break on a six-game slide, uh, losing some really important games to the Brewers, and then here they are on a four-game winner. So, I mean, it's kind of feast or famine with the Reds, but since they're in there, they're in contention. Baseball is fun every day. You're watching, and really that's all you could ask for, really, if you go back to the beginning of the season. Now, other than watching Reds baseball, Matt Taylor joins us right now on Indiana Sports Talk. Uh, what else has your summer encompassed before we get back into the nitty-gritty of football season? Oh my gosh! Well, you know, with the the father of two little ones, it's it's been it's been their world since uh, Memorial Day. Once my older one is uh, going to go and be going into first grade, so really the summers belong to her. Between you know swimming and doing some hiking and uh, a lot of swimming, you know, doing you know doing some day trips here and there, doing some boating. Uh, went to Florida for a week, uh, Kings Island for a couple of days over in Cincinnati. So. Really, it's been her show for the last six, seven weeks, and she's going back here soon, so she's going to be really sad to see the summer go. But we've been uh, we're having some really good quality time as a family, uh, you know, since the end of minicamp, if you will. Oh yeah, that's great. Uh, love to hear that. Uh, one final question before I think we start diving into the actual Colts conversation of this. Uh, next week starts the uh, Indiana State Fair. What's your favorite fair food? Oh my gosh, you know what, Eddie? I hate to admit this as a, as a lifelong oh, Hoosier. No. I've been I've been to the fair one time. What? And yeah, no, I know. I mean, it's it's astonishing. I I'm definitely in the minority. I, I just don't I don't do fairs. Um, growing up, we never had time to go. I was a three sport oh, athlete, and that kind of just always fell in the middle of football training. So never really went as a kid growing up. And I don't know. Just it doesn't really appeal to me. I've, I've been one time and. I mean, it was food overload. I mean, just food options, you know, <laughs> as far as you could see. But I just stuck with the Hoosier tenderloin and, and kept it simple. So I got to say the Hoosier tenderloin, man. How, how can you go wrong with that? Yeah, that's the easiest way to go. All right, now let's dive into some of what you think are some of the major storylines heading into Colts training camp starting next Wednesday. Yeah, obviously number five is going to be the headliner. That'd be Anthony Richardson, uh, you know, the fourth overall pick, the rookie, the possible franchise quarterback. And, I mean, the reason why you say that is just because of, of what he could potentially mean to the you know future success of this team starting in his rookie season. And the big question is whether or not he's going to start and play right away 
to begin his rookie campaign. And so it's going to be heavily scrutinized. I mean, there's going to be a microscope on him on everything, on how he's leading the team, how he looks, his body language, his accuracy, uh, the number of snaps, right, the number of participation he has with the first-team offense, you know, splitting time with Gardner Minshew. Um, So all of that's just going to be diagnosed and scrutinized and kind of probably overblown, to be honest with you. But that's what happens when you have, you know, a rookie quarterback taken so high in the draft. It kind of comes with the territory. So you start there, and then, you know, you try to figure out, you know, some guys that are going to come back from injuries that, you know, spent a lot of time on the sidelines in the spring. You know, and primarily they were pass catchers for Anthony Richardson. Guys like Josh Downs and Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce, Jelani Woods, Mo Cox. A lot of these guys missed some significant time in the months of May and June. Um, and, and that's, you know, I, you know to, to some degree it's, you know, why, why be, um, you know, why, why have that sense of urgency with all those guys? It's the spring. You know, you're not playing games for a couple of months. But at the same time, it's, it's quality time they could have gotten in with Anthony Richardson, you know, to, to build cohesion and rapport and things like that. So, you know, you can't downplay that, and we'll see what their availability is at the beginning of the season, or I should say at the beginning of, the beginning of camp. Um, but certainly those are the things that are top of mind going into Wednesday's first practice up in Westfield. Matt, as you know, we have a couple hard outs to hit, so you mind hanging through this uh, scoreboard update in a break and come back and dive in a little bit more? I know the drill. Let's do it. All right, coming up after this scoreboard update with James Adams, we'll dive more into some uh, training camp storylines such as the cornerback position, uh, the defensive line, the tight end competition, the offensive line. So lots more to get to with Matt Taylor coming up next on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Another quick break from baseball. Last night in the Women's World Cup opening round, the U.S. women, they won against Vietnam 3 to nothing. You can next catch the women in action on Wednesday at 9 p.m. versus the Netherlands. Diving right back into baseball, looking at some scores right now. Top of the ninth, San Diego still up 14-3 to over the Detroit Tigers. It was 11-3 to in the seventh, but then Luis Camp. Campusano hit a three-run home run in the eighth inning with Machado and Jay Cronenworth scoring. Top of the ninth as well, Chicago White Sox. They are in Minnesota to take on the Minnesota, take on Minnesota Twins. Minnesota up three to two over Chicago. Bottom of the fourth inning, Houston and Oakland in Oakland. Houston and Oakland tied at nothing. Bottom of the fourth in Los Angeles, the Angels taking on the Pittsburgh Pirates. No score there as well. Earlier today, the Philadelphia Phillies, they were in Cleveland to take on the Guardians. Cleveland won one to nothing. These were two second-place teams, Cleveland in the AL Central, Philly in the NL East. The only run came in the sixth inning when Ahmed Rosario, he got home on a Jose Ramirez single. This is the second win in a row for Cleveland after beating Philly last night 6-5. to It's their fourth win in five games. Cleveland now sits at 500 with a record of 49-49. and Philadelphia is 52-46. and I'll have more scores coming at you in the next 15 minutes. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm James Adams. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
Welcome back to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. I'm Eddie Garrison filling in for the coach Bob Level, the voice of the Indianapolis Colts and Matt Taylor joins us. He hosted this program oh, just about a couple weeks ago, right before 4th of July. And Matt, before we are talking about some training camp storylines, you talked about Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew. In your perspective, what would you need to see from Richardson in order to feel comfortable with him starting week one? Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, it's it's kind of a rotating or I should say a, a moving goalpost standard, if you will. You know, for me, I mean, if you ask that question to me, I'm sure Shane Steichen would give you a completely different answer if you asked him. But mm-hmm. I just think overall you want to just see comfort. You want to see comfort and you want to see poise and you want to just see leadership. And I, I go back to what I said a little bit earlier, just that body language of Anthony Richardson. You want to see that the overall management of the game, and what I mean by that is – taking the play in, you know, executing it in the huddle, going to the line of scrimmage, being able to read and process, knowing where to go with the football. Those are all things you just want to see out of him. And I don't think the Colts are going to put too much on his plate early on, right? They just want to be able to see him succeed. They want to see him make the right decisions. And, you know, maybe they put a package together for, you know, first and second down. Maybe they have a package for third and short, third and long, same thing for red zone and goal line, but they don't want to just flood him with too much information so that he can't process and that he can't play fast and know where to go with the football. So those are the biggest things I want to see early on is just how he's able to process those things, how he's able to execute. And then certainly the the accuracy is going to be heavily scrutinized. I mean, coming from Florida, right? I mean, he was sub 54% completion percentage and working very hard and diligent on that all off season between the Colts and his own personal team. Uh, you know, he's got a throwing coach and they've been, you know, working on footwork and they've been working on, you know, where to go with the football. Um, but the biggest thing I would say for, for Richardson in terms of improvement from the spring up until training camp, which will start here in a couple of days, he looked really good, you know, between the twenties, if you will. But once, once the Colts, you know, practice those red zone drills you know, the field shrinks, the windows get smaller, the game kind of speeds up. That's when teams kind of heat you up with the blitz and then stuff like that. So he kind of had his ups and down, up and down moments, um, as did the rest of the offense in those situations. So, and, and Shane Steichen, uh, he highlighted that at the end of the minicamp as well. That's the, probably the biggest area that is sped up much faster in the NFL as compared to even the SEC that Richardson's going to have to adapt to and grow in order to get touchdowns in the NFL with the Colts. Yeah, when you look at Richardson, you talked about the processing and being able to just be able to read things when the field shrinks in the red zone. And I think when you look look back when week one starts and when you look back at training camp, I think those four joint practices, the two with the Chicago Bears and the two with the Philadelphia Phillies, are going to be the real uh, practices that you have to focus on with his development. No, absolutely. And those are just instrumental. And I think that's why the Colts – definitely we're more than willing to participate in those like do let's do two with the bears let's do two one with the eagles and it's almost like an extra game going into the regular season because you're going to see a first team defense right you're going to see things that you won't necessarily see in a preseason game right you're going to see some exotic looks that teams aren't willing to roll out especially uh, with that philly defense yes absolutely so you know like if richardson throws a pick six in practice that's a huge learning curve, and guess what? It doesn't cost the Colts six points. It doesn't put them behind the eight ball 
early in the game, you know, in the first half, where it's not going to cost them a game in the fourth quarter. I'm not saying it's not a big deal and you don't learn from them, but it's it's just a way to grow and to get better and to understand where you can and cannot go with the football against a live defense. So I completely agree with you. Those are the most beneficial parts of probably the entire preseason and training camp is because you're going to see an actual other NFL defense and see first-team players, you know, defenses that have a lot of pro bowlers mm-hmm. like the Philadelphia Eagles. So, yes, that, that is a huge part of his development and growth going into the season. Obviously, storyline number one is Anthony Richardson and his development. I think storyline number two, Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, joins us, is that cornerback position because you have Kenny Moore as pretty much the only proven veteran guy in the cornerback room, uh, and he's primarily a slot cornerback. So do you expect to see him more outside because of the lack of talent? I want I don't want to say talent, but the lack of snaps that some of the other players in the room have had? Yeah, certainly. You know, it, I agree with you. It's it's The word I would use is just experience and wisdom. Um, but, no, I, I don't – I mean, things can certainly change, but I, I would suspect they're going to leave Kenny Moore where he's at because that's where he's thrived. That's, that's where he's best at. He's one of the best nickel corners in the NFL and is trying to kind of find his home and find his niche and be really productive in this Gus Bradley defense uh, similar to how he was – and the Matt Eberflus defense. So absolutely, you know, I think they're going to stick uh, stick him where he's been at. But I think on the outside, it's a big competition. I mean, right now you've got a bunch of rookies and then a first-year guy or a guy coming off his first year in Dallas Flowers. Flowers played about 174 snaps towards the end of last year at corner, and that was out of necessity, right? A, a lot of guys got hurt towards the end of last year, so he had to go from special teams to defense, and he held his own, right? He, he I mean, he... It wasn't a liability out there, so he's trying to grow. He's trying to get better, but I, the guy that I think has the upper hand going into training camp is a rookie, and that's Juju Brent. So they picked up in the second round. I think he's got a, you know, he's got all the tools. He's got all the the measurements. You know, he's he's my guy to see a lot of time early on in camp. But the caveat with him, he was injured. He was uh-huh. injured. He missed all the spring. Had that wrist injury. You know, going back to the combine. Uh, going back to his last year at Kansas State. So, you know, he, he, he plays the way the Colts want to play in the secondary under Gus Bradley. And you got Darius Rush, you got Jalen Jones. But I, I'm, I'm suspecting that Brents, if he's healthy to start the season, is going to be your guy that you might want to pencil in uh, at that cornerback spot. Now I want to go to the defensive line real quick. We've got about two minutes here. Al-Qadi Muhammad re-signed reportedly to a one-year deal yesterday. I think it's important for them uh, and Chris Ballard to bring in a name. like or I wouldn't say a name, but like a guy who has had some, some success here in Indianapolis because when you look sure. at that defensive line behind the five names that most people know in Samson Ebicom, Dio Wadangbo, Grover, DeForest Buckner, and Quiddy Pay, that's a lot of guys that are unproven, much like the cornerback room. Yeah, it's a big year for Quiddy Pay. It's a big year for Dio Adangbo. Both those guys were drafted first and second, respectively. Quiddy first in 2021, and this is the third year. And that's kind of typically when the light bulb really starts to go off for defensive ends. And and Dio's got some some more flexibility about him. He can play defensive tackle as well. But the Colts need big years out of both of those guys. You, you mentioned Samson Abacom. He comes over, kind of fills that role that Unique Ngakwe had. Uh, last year but anytime you can sign a veteran you know a consistent piece like Al-Kadim Muhammad although it's a different defense right Matt Eberflus is no longer here he was in Chicago last year 
under Eberflus, but it just gives you eight or nine guys that you can trust, that can play in waves, that give you consistency, you know, fresh bodies out there at all times. Uh, you know, uh, Chris Ballard, he covets defensive line. He covets offensive line. And I think it's a good depth piece signing for the Colts. And al Kadim Muhammad, he's a good dude. He loves ball. He takes it very, very seriously. You know, so maybe he's a guy that plays 30 to 40% of the snaps per game. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the year, he's giving you a six, seven, eight sacks when it's all said and done. Yeah, that's certainly what they needed out of that defensive line. If they could get six, seven, eight sacks from a rotational piece, uh, right. like Al-Quiddy Muhammad, that would be huge. Matt, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your busy night uh, to join me on Indiana Sports Talk once again. And can't wait to start hearing you over the speaker at uh, West, or not West 56th Street, but in Westfield at Grand Park. <laughs> you got it. I appreciate you, Eddie. I'll talk to you soon, anytime. It's always fun catching up with Matt Taylor anytime you can. Uh, Colts training camp, players report on Tuesday. Practices will start at on Wednesday. You can Colt, go to Colts.com to get any tickets to attend. All tickets are free. To watch Anthony Richardson practice with the Indianapolis Colts and eventually, hopefully, take over that QB1 spot uh, is what Colts fans want to see. Coming up next on Indiana Sports Talk, We'll transition to the Indiana Pacers for one segment. We'll talk about the Pacers Summer League with Scott Agnes, some possible moves maybe with uh, the Pacers before the season starts, and then get into some wide-range NBA topics like Damian Lillard and uh, James Harden with those trades being at halt right now. More to come on Indiana Sports Talk. All right, quick look at some games still going on in Major League Baseball, the bottom of the fifth inning in Oakland. Oakland A's taking on the Houston Astros. No score there. Top of the fifth in Los Angeles. Los Angeles Angels taking on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Also no score. 0-0. Looking at some final scores of games that have gone final earlier today. Toronto, they took on Seattle in Seattle. Seattle Mariners win 9-8. Game has gone final. San Diego Padres against the Detroit Tigers in Detroit. San Diego gets the 14-3 victory. In Washington, the Nationals dominated the San Francisco Giants. They won 10-1. In Boston, the Boston Red Sox, they were taking on the New York Mets. That is the second game they played today after resuming a game that was suspended last night due to weather. Game two, they win 8-6. Cleveland Guardians, they are at home. They were at home against the Philadelphia Phillies. Cleveland gets the 1-0 win. Milwaukee Brewers, they took on the they took on Atlanta and they won 4-3. And Chicago White Sox, they lost today in Minnesota, 3-2-2. Earlier today, the Baltimore Orioles, they were in Tampa Bay to take on the Rays. It was a battle of the AL East between the top two games. The game was scoreless until the fourth inning when Baltimore launched out to a 5-0 lead. Like I said, the Toronto Blue Jays, they took on the Seattle Mariners. Seattle wins 9-8. That game was scoreless till the third. Blue Jays would attempt to come back on late in the game with the Chapman run making it 9-8, to eight, but that would be all they could muster. Seattle sits... Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's at 50 and 48, Toronto 54 and 45. Welcome back to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. 
I'm Eddie Garrison filling in for the coach Bob Level, a voice that you hear usually during the winter time when it's Pacer season. Uh, is Scott Agnes from Fieldhouse Files and 1075thefan.com. He joins me now. Scott, how are you doing this evening? Hey, good evening, Eddie. Good to hear from you. Likewise, likewise. So I know Summer League is over and it's been a couple of weeks now. Uh, just want to get your overall thoughts now that you've had some time to decompress and probably rewatch the tape. Yeah, the biggest thing I think about Summer League is is um, you're looking more so, I think, Eddie, for players who, who who can't make it, who don't quite hold up versus like a guy that really pops because that doesn't necessarily mean anything. It could, but I don't think it does. But uh, like the first couple games, we saw them jump off and play very well. Obviously, they were led by the, the three core players, core meaning guys that are certainly going to be on the team moving forward, and Benedict Mather and Andrew Nimhard and I, Isaiah Jackson. And if they continued to play, uh, this team might have competed for a summer league championship. But, of course, they were just there to get a couple games in, practice with the team, be around the athletic trainers uh, and such. And so then we kind of got our eyes closer look on Jarris Walker, uh, on Ben Shepard, and other guys on that summer league roster. And, and with Jarris, I, I thought he left a lot to be desired offensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensively kind of made that impact that we expected, especially when – in pick and roll situations and, and showing off how he can defend kind of multiple positions, kind of one through four and handling pick and rolls. Well, and Ben Shepard knocked down uh, shots at a high clip after he kind of settled in the first game, he was kind of totally lost and that's not unexpected. Um, then you, you get to the, the second game, third game, and he started to, to feel things out a little bit. So it was a productive summer league, but I don't take anything out of the big picture about how they did or didn't do. Yeah, I was talking to Eddie Gill about this just a couple of days ago. We were talking about the summer mm-hmm. league, and he goes, it's like, it's just so hard to gauge these guys because you don't know what they're trying to go out there and accomplish. And he was like, he told me, he's like, look, I think Ben Shepard's a really good shooter, and I think he's an even better defender than people realize. And yes. They didn't really run much for him offensively, so I was like, okay, I guess you're trying to see where the player is. But I wanted to talk about Ben Shepard's defense. What did you think about it? Yeah, no, Eddie, the other Eddie made some great points certainly there as well. I think so much we see from Summer League in general, too, is guys being put in different situations, maybe not situations that they will be put in during the regular season, just kind of to test them, see where they're at, see how they do in those certain situations. Uh, ben Matherin, for example, I thought was attacking too much. I would have liked to see him pass off a little bit more, but he was the dominant player on the floor and wanted to be. You asked about Ben Shepard. Yeah, I, th- I thought his last several games were good. Um, his first couple, uh, he was kind of invisible. Partially, I think that's a good thing, meaning he's not a dominant player. He's yep. not a guy that demands the ball, commands the ball. He can fit whatever role you need. And in those first couple of games, it was kind of be a four spacer, be ready in the corner, right? Then later on, the last couple of games, all right, he really knocked him down. I think shot better than 42%. That's what this team will need come the regular season from a rookie who's, who's a knockdown shooter. And even more so to your point about defensively, again, hard, hard to completely evaluate that because he's going against a lot of guys, for example, that won't even be on NBA rosters come training camp. But I thought for what he did, he, he made some mistakes in the first couple games that I noticed, uh, but shored those up a little bit more. And he even acknowledged that after the third game. He was like, man, I was nervous. I wasn't sure what I was doing. We made a lot of changes after game one and game two. 
Uh, and then I felt a lot better from where he what he produced. I'm sure it'll be like that too when it comes toward the regular season. Those mm-hmm. jitters of playing an actual NBA game. Uh, Scott Agnes of Fieldhouse Files and 1075thefan.com joins me, Eddie Garrison, on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Now let's take a step back away from Summer League and look at the Pacers as a whole. Uh, the past couple of weeks, it feels like there have been some rumblings about T.J. McConnell possibly being traded. Um, I could see it solely because there is a logjam at that position right now because you're expecting Andrew Nimhard to play more minutes than he did last year. And I just I would hate to see T.J. go, but at the same time, I would understand the move. Yeah, so TJ really started to become expendable on this roster when they added Bruce Brown. Why? Because Bruce Brown can defend multiple positions. He's played point guard before, so he could kind of be your your third point guard in need. Uh, I will say, though, we learned in the first year under Rick Carlisle how much he values point guards and having a stable uh, groupings of point guard, right? Like, we don't need another experiment of, ben, uh, of Brad Wanamaker and Kiefer <laughs> Sykes and, and others. Like, that was not good, and you could tell Rick Carlisle didn't enjoy that. So, it's not I, – I, from my sense is they're not trying or, or motivated necessarily to move him. However, I think for the first time in his career here is they would be willing to listen to see kind of what a, a deal might include. And also with the understanding here, Eddie, that – Look, TJ's coming off a career year. He's got at least next season under contract. He's got the next year, but it's a partially guaranteed for 24-25. So, one, he, he's coming off a special season where he contributed in a variety of ways. He was nearly 50-40-90, and none of us <laughs> think of him, right, as yeah. a shooter. So that was mighty impressive. So I think if a deal did get done, and there are at least a couple teams I think would be interested um, I think it would have almost be to help clear up the backcourt, yet at the same time take care of TJ because, look, you know, he can't be playing 15 minutes a game for as well he's playing. Yeah, it seems like it's been uh, quite a while since we've seen any movement in free agency just from the landscape of the NBA. Is that solely because of the holdup of James Harden in Philly and Damian Lillard with Portland? Yeah, mostly the latter. Uh, everyone I talked to at Summer League kind of chuckled when he mentioned James Harden. It's like, yeah, he's staying. Like, what are they going to get for him here? Um, yeah. So most people, at least as of last week, are kind of thinking, all right, nothing's going to move here, at least in the short term. And you got to remember, Daryl Morey didn't, was not afraid to sit on his hands and sit back and, and wait with Ben Simmons. And so is he prepared to do the same thing here? Uh, it, it appears so. And in terms of Damian Lillard, yeah, I think that's the big reason you haven't seen even more transactions. It feels like there's only been a handful of non-two-way contracts uh, that have been agreed upon and signed over the last week or so. And that, I think so many teams are kind of waiting to see what happens with Lillard sweepstakes. And in particular, like the team like the Pacers, right? They could get involved. Maybe they take on a bad contract and move a TJ McConnell. Or maybe uh, there's even more guys that are expendable on this roster. Because what we do know is this isn't a set roster. This isn't a championship contending roster. So they need to continue to upgrade it. Uh, not Don't need to force anything, but they also shouldn't be like, all right, we are content. Let's see what this looks like. Because there's several more changes I think that would be beneficial. And probably the first one, Eddie, would be clearing up the front court. They still have too many centers, and at least one, maybe two of them, would uh, be beneficial to move on from. You give me a couple of different avenues to go here. I want to get two things in real quick. One, uh, optionality. Uh, that's the only word I can say when you're talking <laughs> about there. I think uh, Kevin Pritchard would understand and nod his head to that one. Uh, yeah, the I think he's trying part, to mark that one. <laughs> you're right. Uh, the second part of that is I have a comparison for you of Damian Lillard in Portland and Miami. 
You'll love this. Bring it. Aaron Rodgers in the New York Jets. Yeah, yeah. Just because I know you love Aaron Rodgers. I do. I'm a big – so I'm one of those – and I mean this in sincerity. I didn't know much about him, but then ever since he got on Pat McAfee's show, I've really started to learn more about him and like him. Yes, so uh, absolutely there. Um, But in terms of that trade, yeah, I can see that to an extent, although I think it's more tilted towards Dame on this side, right? It seemed like the Packers were – all right, we're done with you. Here it seems like it's kind of the other way, and Dame looking and like, hey, look, I got to maximize my years. I want to be moved here. Um, and the, the comparison, or not even comparison, but the consideration that I bring up for Portland is with the Pacers, though, with Paul George. Remember, he wanted out. Yeah. He was in, in the prime of his career. He had a destination he wanted in the Lakers. And what the Pacers did was made the mess, best move for them, and I think that's what the Blazers have to do. I don't think it'll be Miami because I don't like any package they could put together. So I expect Portland to do like Pacers and Kevin Pritchard and make the best deal for the Trailblazers. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. We have quickly got 30 seconds. Who's the backup center to Miles Turner when the season starts? <laughs> I wish I knew. I think I'd go with Jalen Smith right now. Um, the big fans of D- Daniel Tyson, what he provides, but talking about the style, the spacing, the three-point ability, I'd lean towards Jalen Smith, but that's a big area that needs clarity. Scott, I had more questions for you, but we're out of time. Thanks for hopping on tonight. Enjoy the rest of your night, and have a good rest of your weekend. You as well. Thanks, Eddie. No problem. That's Scott Agnes of Fieldhouse Files. He'll join Matt Taylor and Greg Raystraw on the podcast. You can download wherever you get your podcast shortly after the show. Baseball Fix next. Howard Kelman on IST. All right, we've been talking almost nothing but Major League Baseball, so let's go ahead and show the minor league some love. The Indianapolis Indians, they were in Iowa to take on the Iowa Cubs. They lost 5-3 to three today. They wrap up their six-game series against the Cubs tomorrow. They are 2-3 and three in that series. You can hear the voice of the Indianapolis Indians, Howard Kelman, coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Elsewhere, the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, they were playing Lake County. They won 6-4 to four tonight. They are also 2-3 and three in their series against Lake County. They wrap up their series tomorrow at 105. Meanwhile, the South Bend Cubs, they took on West Michigan. They won 10-7 to seven tonight. They are 3-2 and two in their series, and they wrap up tomorrow at 205. We've got a score update in Major League Baseball right now. Houston is up one to nothing over the Oakland A's in Oakland. It's the top of the six. And in the in the Pirates versus Los Angeles game, the Pirates are now up two to nothing at the end of the fifth. Brian Reynolds, he hit a single that led to Connor Joe scoring, and then Carlos Santana, he hit a double, and that led to Reynolds scoring. Other scores from around the league that have wrapped up the New York Mets in their first game. They beat Boston 5-4. to They would later lose tonight 8-6. Uh, to to excuse me. Cleveland Guardians, they took on the Philadelphia Phillies in Cleveland. They won 1-0. Washington Nationals, they beat San Francisco Giants 10-1. San Diego Padres, they beat Detroit 14-3. Toronto Blue Jays, they played the Seattle Mariners. Seattle wins 9-8. More scores coming at you in 15 minutes for Network Indiana Sports. I'm James Adams. Thank you, James, for another stellar scoreboard update. I'm Eddie Garrison, hosting Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk, filling in for the coach Bob Lovell and a very synonymous voice on these airways and as well as with the Indianapolis Indians, it's Howard Kelman. He joins us now. Howard, how are you this evening? Well, Eddie, I'm fine, thank you. I hope you're well, but this was a tough one because the Indians were an out away from a win 
And Iowa had first and second, two outs, bottom of the ninth, Indians ahead 3-2, and then there was a wild pitch on court by Cody Bolton. So now you've got second and third, your potential tying and winning runs in scoring position. All Iowa needs is a base hit to win the game. And Edwin Rios, a left-hand batter, belted a three-run home run to left center field. And the I-Cubs won the game 5-3. to three. Now, when you look at the series so far, Iowa leads three games to two. But outside of those first two games, so the last three, they've all been relatively competitive and fun games. Yes, and the Indians won the last two prior to tonight. And we're just an out away from winning this one. And they came from behind tonight. They were down 2 nothing, got a run. And then uh, the Indians catcher, Grant Cook, belted a two-run homer in the eighth inning. To give him a 3-2 lead, Cody Bolton pitched a scoreless eighth, but in the ninth got into trouble. You know what's interesting, Eddie, is here Grant is uh, Edwin Rios wins the game with a home run. All he needed was a single. And you see that happen at times when a player is not trying to hit a go deep or hit mm-hmm. a home run, just trying to make contact, meet the ball. He has a nice, easy, smooth, fluid swing and he belts a home run. You've been doing this for so long, and I applaud you for the longevity of your career. So what keeps you going back to doing minor league baseball with the Indianapolis Indians? Well, I'm so fortunate to have broadcast baseball my entire adult life here in Indianapolis, and I love it. Every day is absolutely wonderful. One night you have a 3-2 to two game. The next day it'll be 11-10. to 10. So you never know what you'll see in broadcasting baseball on radio is a wonderful challenge every day, painting the word pictures. I've always worked for great people, starting with Max Schumacher, Cal Burleson, Bruce Schumacher, Randy Lewandowski, Joel Zawacki. I've worked for great people, and, uh, you know, I feel great. Uh, I don't feel as if I'm slowing down at all. When you look at the game itself, it has certainly changed. Howard Kelman, voice of the Indianapolis Indians joins us and right now in the minor leagues they're exploring the uh, automated strike system the first three games of each series is the automated fully automated the last three games are the challenge system is there a preference on your side of this if this were to be employed in the MLB in the not too distant future yes Eddie I prefer the challenge system that we have over the weekend as you said the last three games in the series I think the ABS system on the whole is too favorable to hitters. And, you know, a pitch is a fraction of an inch off the plate. It's called a ball. So uh, I prefer the challenge system, and uh, I think most people feel that way too, at least those with whom I've spoken about it. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm much in favor of the challenge system. Uh, Coming up tomorrow, 2 away out in Iowa, Eastern time, wrap up the series, and then – Indians come home for six games against the Bats. Got dollar or Tuesday dollar menu night, so that'll be fun. Howard, thanks for taking some time out of your night, and hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend and have a good uh, broadcast tomorrow afternoon. Thank you, as always, Eddie. Thank you very much. As all of you know, I love Major League Baseball and baseball in general, so being able to catch up with a guy like Howard Kelman always means so much to me, and especially when you consider the longevity of his career. He's been around Indianapolis since... 1970s mid 1970s with the Indianapolis Indians so he has seen it all he's seen a lot of talented players and he's seen a lot of change from the major league baseball from then until now and hopefully commissioner Robert uh Rob Manfred can get it right with MLB to retain the fans and keep growing the sport I would be in favor of the challenge system as 
Howard Noden, instead of the automated strike system, simply because I do not want to see more advantage to the hitters. I want to see the pitchers have a fair shot when it comes to them pitching every fifth day of the starting level and then, of course, occasionally out of the bullpen. Coming up next at the top of the hour, we've got James Boyd. But when we come back, producer Jonathan Smith will join me on the mic. We'll talk about some pretenders and contenders in the NFL. That's next on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Final segment of the 10 o'clock hour on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. I'm Eddie Garrison. Let's bring in our producer, Jonathan Smith. Jonathan, how are you doing? Pretty well, man. How are you? Can't complain. I've got this like cough or something going on, and I just can't like shake it. I can kind of hear it in your voice a little bit. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, I, I don't know either, but... You still sound good. <laughs> you don't have to suck up to me any <laughs> by any means necessary. I, I know we got limited time here, so I want to quickly get into this. Uh, some teams have already started training camp, like the New York Jets, for example. Um, so that's kind of where this ca- came to mind is like a lot of teams are putting them in that category of a Super Bowl contender. So I want to go 3v3. I want you to give me your three AFC teams that you consider con- uh, contenders for the Super Bowl, and then we'll do NFC next. So we'll go Chiefs for the AFC. Obviously, you have to have them in there. I like the Ravens. And then I like the Dolphins as well. You can make an argument that those are the three best <laughs> rosters. Quit laughing. Biased. Anyway. But, yeah, uh, honestly, I would fade the Jets. I think they're going to be very disappointing this upcoming season. And then a sleeper pick, the Denver Broncos. If they get it figured out with Russell Wilson, that roster is still really good. Sean Payton's coming in. That is definitely a team who can make a push. Left off the Bengals. Interesting. Yeah, not, not a Bengals guy. Really? Yeah, I just... Look, it's it's Joe Burrow. I get it, but I don't know. I, I think the Ravens have finally surrounded Lamar Jackson with the receivers that he needs to really have a better aerial attack, so I think they're actually going to be the best team in that division. So because of that, I, I would take them over the Bengals. I've got the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Bengals. No, no particular order, but if I had to order, it would probably be the way I listed those three off. Right, now let's go to the NFC. I'll go first on this one. Um, I've got the Eagles, the 49ers, and the Lions. Yeah, that's the quarterbacks are so bad in the NFC. Those are probably the teams with the three best quarterbacks. Even though I will say, I think people are really sleeping on the Rams because if Matthew Stafford plays the, plays the whole that whole roster year, is just so bad. That offensive line is bad. That defense is horrific. Outside of is. Aaron Donald, it is. But the quarterbacks are so awful in that conference. That I mean, look like I, you can make a legit argument that Matthew Stafford's the second best quarterback in that conference, and if he plays like that. You can win a lot of games. Depends on which version of Geno Smith you get. If you get last year's Geno, I think he would be better than Matthew Stafford just because Stafford only has Cooper Cup. That's fair, but they do have Sean McVay. Okay, honorable mention for me and these three. I agreed there with Sean McVay. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Like, you can't rule out that defense. I think that defense is legit. Um, and I think if if Mike McCarthy has can, ha, is going to have it his way, it better work out. I think the loss of Kellen Moore is really going to hurt them. Yeah. Totally agree with you there. That wraps up the 10 o'clock hour. Thanks, Jonathan, for hopping on. You may hear him a little bit later in the show. But coming up next, you'll hear the top of the hour scoreboard update with James Adams. And following him will be another James. It's James Boyd Boyd of The Athletic. He will join us. We'll get to more storylines with Colts training camp. And I'm going to try to not be my typical self and throw elbows into his side. Because if you listen to the Fan Midday Show on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan... You know, we bicker a little bit like brothers. So that's coming up next on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk.